Welcome in to another episode of We're Talking. We're talking softball, Raging Cajun softball, Sunbelt Conference softball with, uh, let's see, not the voice of the Cajuns, but the color man of Raging Cajun softball, Bobby Nova. Nova. God. Nova. Nova. That's good. Nova. Okay. a lot of things. <laughs> I have too, trust me. First, first 13 years of my life, I was a melancon. Until we move back to Louisiana, so I, I as long as as long as you don't call me late for supper, I'm good. That that's the same way with me. I've got a actually I need to lose weight, so I probably could be late. But let's jump right in. Let's talk about the Sun Belt Conference in particular right now because uh, for the first time we don't play all the teams in the Sun Belt, and uh, but it looks like for the most part we got a pretty good draw on the teams that are playing well to help our RPI as opposed to some of the teams that are not so good, I guess, is if, if that's proper. Well, you know, we play everybody on the West. And, you know, from looking at, at the conference, you know, Marshall on the East side, they're 31 and three, but uh, their RPI is 66. We don't play Marshall this year. Um, and, their strength of schedule is 249 out of 306 teams that play Division One softball. So uh, it doesn't look like their schedule has been uh, extremely difficult. They are undefeated in the conference so far. And um, it looks like the better teams uh, in the conference are all on the west side with the Cajuns, Texas State, Troy, South Alabama, um, you know, not to uh, – dismiss the season that Marshall's having and also uh, James Madison's having a pretty good season also. But, uh, you know, for Marshall, they don't play. They play James Madison and they play Texas State. Uh, the Cajuns play, of course, we've played James Madison already, but the Cajuns have to play Texas State, Troy, and South Al. So obviously the Cajuns have the toughest schedule. Uh, for the remainder of the scheduling conference play. And I think it just, uh, I think go coach Glasgow by looking at his schedule overall would prefer that anyway, because that's, that's the only opportunity that we have a chance of uh, hosting a, a regional is if we do play a tougher schedule. Yeah. The Cajuns RPI this week, I think was 12, if I'm not mistaken. And then if you look at the rest of the se- uh, the schedules uh, for the rest of the season, Craig, um, every team the Cajuns play except ULM is uh, in the top 100 in RPI the rest of the way. And uh, ULM's 102. So South Al, you get this weekend, they're 51. And then the following weekend, Texas State's at 44. And then Troy's at 54. And then you play those two, uh, those three uh, – Actually, we have four non-conference games left against Baylor, A&M, Southeastern, and Louisiana Tech. A&M is 21, Baylor 24, Southeastern 72, and Louisiana Tech 76. So the rest of the way, if the Cajuns can uh, take care of business, uh, they should be in pretty good shape RPI-wise with an opportunity to maybe host a regional. What about, I, I know it's early, but still a lot, still a lot of softball left to play, but uh, 
the Sun Belt last season got four teams in, if I remember correctly, or was oh, it Craig, three? That's a, I think it might have been three. I'm not. I think it was. Um, and boy, I'm just guessing right now. The Cajuns obviously got in. Texas State was in, and I think maybe South Alabama got in. Either okay. South Al yeah. or Troy. I thought I thought all four got in, but I could be wrong. And they uh, may have. I, you know. Yeah. That's not something that I checked on. And yeah, it was. I, I'm just. My point being, what do you see the rest of the league? Can we get a Troy, a South Alabama, a Texas State in besides the Cajuns? If they yeah, don't think, win the tournament. I think so. Uh, Marshall, I think, would have to win the tournament to get in with their, uh, you know, strength of schedule and their RPI being uh, right now they're at 66. But, uh, you know, Troy, South Al, and Texas State, all depending on how, how well they do the rest of the way, uh, I think, you know, along with the Cajuns, those four teams would have an opportunity to get in maybe even if they didn't win the tournament. So uh, the conference as a whole uh, has really improved with the addition of, 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 you know, teams like James Madison and Marshall and then, you know, Troy, Texas State and the Cajuns and uh, South Alabama uh, traditionally all being pretty strong. So um, the conference is uh, a lot stronger as a whole than we've been in the past. And, and I'm just, I'm kind of glancing at the schedule. It looks like Coastal and Troy play each other. So that should be a pretty good series. Yeah, and Coastal, you know, I failed to mention they, they, they've improved quite a bit, uh, you know, playing on the east side. And the Cajuns are going to have to travel to take on um, uh, Coastal Carolina a little bit later in the season. So that's going to be another Troy and Coastal Carolina on the road. Um, and then Texas State and South Al at home. You know, you mentioned Coastal just now, and, and that's a team, or at least by location-wise, you would think would be good, being because they've got a nice facility there. Uh, they're, they're, you know, a beach school. You would think softball would be natural to them, and especially with the baseball program doing well. And, they, yeah, they're starting uh, the last couple of years. They, they've, they've really started to uh, – do a, you know, a much better job recruiting wise and um, trying to uh, get their schedule improved a little bit to help themselves out in, in RPI. And uh, Coastal Carolina is going to be a team that a lot of the conference schools are going to have to deal with, not only this year, but in the future. I agree. I think you, you'll see it coming up there. Um, any other matchups that you, that I, I don't know if I'm, I know I'm going blind to you here, but any other matchups this weekend you think would be interesting? Or have you not um, looked at the schedule? I haven't really looked at the schedule. The only one is the one that you just mentioned. And I'm not even sure who Texas State plays they play, this uh, weekend. They play Southern Miss, but Southern Miss is 0-9 in conference. Yeah, Southern Miss is uh, is at the bottom. Um, I know um, ULM. Madison is on the road. They play, I think, Georgia Southern. They play Georgia weekend. State. Georgia State. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. That's right. Georgia State and then App State's at Georgia Southern and Marshall's at ULM. So that pretty much covers everybody. That Marshall ULM series, you know, that could be an interesting series. Um, ULM, you know, a little bit better this year than they've kind of been in the past. And uh, that's a that's a pretty tough uh, long trip for Marshall. So we'll see if ULM can 
could get one or two in that series, that would that would be nice. I think that's one. I'm uh, besides the coastal Troy. I think that's one I'm going to 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 follow a little bit closer too because I agree with you. ULM, you said I think was that RPI was about 102. Uh, right, a, right. A couple wins there might be able to get them in the top 100, but at the same time, a couple wins for Marshall might help them out as well. So it's uh, but obviously we we don't play Marshall, so we want ULM to win to help us more. So for sure, ULM hasn't lost a conference conference game yet so uh, i'd like to see him get a couple of games in that l column yes uh that's a it's it's kind of hard as much as we want to it's kind of hard for me to pull for ulm but i think (laughs) i have to yeah i don't think we have a choice this weekend so all righty um let's move on uh last week um Cajuns head to James Madison was a unique uh, series in several ways. And I know we talked off air about the travel was one. And then also them not being able to play softball at the same time as baseball. Are, are, how were those fields aligned? I guess, I guess, you know. Well, well, Craig, you know, first of all, uh, it was a, uh, the, the, the travel part was, uh, you know, we, we, we left at seven o'clock Thursday morning, bus to New Orleans. And then flew direct from New Orleans to Washington, D.C. And then um, Coach Glasgow gave the girls some time to, uh, you know, the bus driver took us and, 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 and parked and let all the girls get off the bus and let them walk around for about an hour, hour and a half and, and see some of the sites in Washington, D.C. And then uh, get back on the bus and then two and a half hour bus trip uh, to, uh, to Virginia. And then, uh, you know, you got to get up and play uh, a fairly early game on, on Friday. And um, I was a little bit concerned about, you know, the travel day on Thursday. And then, well, if you hit a home run, we're talking about the fields. Yep. If, 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 if softball hits a home run, it's going to land in the baseball field. And if baseball hits a foul ball to the first base side of the field, is going to land in the softball field. So the only way they could possibly play a game at the same time was maybe if they would uh, install some of those big nets that you see like at Top Golf or yep, yep. Uh, that would be the only way that they could play uh, you know baseball and softball at the same time. So the Cajuns uh, the softball got the early games on Friday and Saturday and then on Sunday Baseball got the early game, and uh, softball played at three local time, which uh, pretty much made it impossible for the Cajuns to uh, travel back on Sunday night. And so, you know, flew out of uh, Washington, D.C. on Monday morning and uh, got back in the Lafayette about 4 o'clock Monday afternoon. So it was a uh, it was a nice trip somewhere that, you know, most of us had never been before. Um and uh, I certainly enjoyed it. The weather was kind of up and down. You know, it was cold on it was cold on Friday. Woke up Saturday morning with rain, and then the rain stopped about ten o'clock. And uh, Saturday was a pretty nice day while softball was playing. And then about four or five o'clock, the wind really picked up. And I'm not sure how they play baseball in that weather, but they did. And uh, and then Sunday. Uh, was a little bit better day, partly cloudy, but but nice and chilly. So uh, 
uh, overall a nice uh, a nice trip. Well, I was in when you went three, you know, yeah. when you go three and oh, it's always a nice trip. Well, it's funny because I, I watching the game on Sunday, the the big Parkers were out and everything for the for the players to stay warm, and I was just impressed that somebody looked at the weather schedule ahead of time to bring our, to bring our gear like that. You know, yeah, absolutely. They uh, they packed accordingly, and um, you know needed needed those heavy coats on Friday and Sunday for sure. You know, I'm looking at the the way the field aligns now. It's very similar to what uh, Texas State has, but Texas State the softball field is uh, out by the left field uh, fence of the uh, of the baseball field. So, right, and it's, I, it's it's just pretty much opposite. Yeah, and I remember a couple. Uh, balls going onto the softball field and I also remember looking I was at the top of the stands looking at the baseball field and as I turned around a foul ball almost took my head off from from the softball field so I learned to pay attention yeah but they do play at the same times in Texas yep. State not I, I think they've got some higher nets from what I remember to uh, protect the players and what they told us in the uh, press box at James Madison it's it's uh, entirely a safety issue yep. and they're not allowed to play uh, okay. at the same time. So, and I think that's the only series weekend series, <coughs> excuse me, this season that baseball and softball are both at home on the same weekend over at James Madison's. Yeah. I know we have a similar series uh, coming up where both teams are home, but uh, so th let's talk softball though, about that weekend. Uh, how was James Madison's uh, – they were in the, the Women's College World Series a couple years ago, and we know about the tragic uh, death uh, last year, I believe it was, or the year before. Has James Madison – last year, yes. Has James Madison, though, have they kept the quality of play that they had, you know, or was or was that a kind of a anomaly, I guess? They, they've had to overcome a lot of adversity. You know, last year they – they didn't even finish their season when they had that uh, that unfortunate situation with with one of their players, and then um, but they're up and you know they're gonna they're gonna be just just fine. I, they like one pitcher away, Craig, from what I saw okay. of, of being a very competitive team in the conference. They have four or five kids that can really hit. Um, uh, they have a kid, Hannah Shiflett, who was the um, player of the year in the Trans-America Conference last year, I think, uh, before they moved to the Sun Belt. And she's a really nice player. She, you know, she leads them in home runs and RBIs. And their first four or five kids in the lineup are really good. They have a, a freshman catcher who really impressed me, kid by the name of Bailey Hansler, who was really, really athletic behind the plate and for the most part shut down the Cajuns running game. Uh, you know, had a couple of runners uh, – that she was able to throw out and uh, she had a big home run in the Sunday game and before the Cajuns were able to come back and, uh, and win that game. The Cajuns were behind two of those three games. So uh, James Madison, very competitive and I'm looking for them to just continue to improve in the future. If you look at their, their stats batting wise, they're, they're near the top and pitching like uh, is in the middle. So to your point, they're probably one good pitcher away or one more pitcher away from uh, being able to uh, to get back to where they were. So very interesting. When you it, lose Odyssey Alexander from that World Series team, you know, they, 
you, you, that's that's kind of a once in a in a, a history of a program type player. You know, she was she was um, an elite type pitcher, and you know you don't you don't see uh, mid majors get those types of pitchers very often, and uh, it's going to be difficult for them to uh, to maybe get back to that World Series type status. But again, I'm looking for them to be very competitive competitive on the east side of the uh, Sunbelt Conference along with uh, with Marshall and Coastal Carolina in the next few years. Well, it's fun just to have a few more teams come in, and, and that's not taking anything away from the Cajuns, Troy, South Alabama, Texas State. But if that if that other side can get to very similar to what how baseball is is going to, we may may be able to look at four teams or so uh getting into the uh to the regional brackets so absolutely Let's Pages, uh, oh. i think the sun belt if i'm not mistaken is the top com- top non p5 conference in softball if not they're in the, at least in the top two for sure i believe they are uh and uh same thing with baseball uh top five so uh very nice uh additions to both baseball softball basketball even uh football it's it, four nice additions to the conference and uh looking forward to see what happens uh going forward so let's move on to south alabama this weekend uh changing the schedule no thursday friday saturday it's going to be saturday double header uh sunday one game i know uh Listening to Coach Glasgow, he wanted that game later in the afternoon so that people could enjoy their Easter dinner and still make it out to the ballpark and enjoy a beautiful day out there. Your thoughts on the first, the uh, the 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 uh, change in the schedule? Well, you know, Craig, I'm kind of old school. And, you know, when you got when you got turf and a tarp, you know, I, I like to wait as late as possible to make a decision. But. Uh, you know, I think as a conference rule, if you play on Thursday, then you can't play on Sunday. I think if you once the once the series starts, you got three games, yep, three yep. days to get three games in. Seventy-two so hours. I, I, I think they were concerned a little bit about maybe not being able to play Friday, and then maybe not being able to play Saturday, and then only being able to get one game in if they played Thursday night. And I'm sure that that went a long way into. Uh, deciding to uh, to move the games to Saturday and Sunday. And, and that way, you know, South Alabama doesn't have to travel on Wednesday, maybe play one game on Thursday and then sit around all day Friday and maybe all day Saturday. So uh, all those things I'm sure come into play when they make those kind of decisions. And we know as soon as they move the games, the weather's going to be beautiful. But, <laughs> again, you don't want a team sitting in a hotel or having an extra night in a hotel and then sitting around that's that's no fun and 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 the cajuns wouldn't want to do that if they were the ones who were traveling to to mobile so i get it all but i agree with you too uh but the nice thing is baseball tonight and tomorrow five o'clock games get off work sit down watch them on tv and you don't have to worry about the conflict so that's that's a good idea craig i hadn't thought of that so just me i'm selfish (laughs) So I'm certainly going to watch baseball. Absolutely, man. I think this is going to be a fun series after watching Marshall 
played Virginia, uh, West Virginia last night. I think uh, if that wind is blowing out, you could see a very similar weekend to what we had at South Alabama. But yeah, and you, you talked about that Coastal Carolina facility a little bit earlier, and um, that facility plays really, really small. And uh, if the bl- wind's blowing out there, you could see uh, you could see a couple of twelve to ten type games. Well, th- that's what I was. You know, I know the wind was blowing, but a couple of the home runs against James Madison. I don't know if our young ladies just crushed the ball or it was wind 80, but I saw some pretty long home runs. Yeah, Lauren Allred had one, and uh, Alexa Langliers had one that were no doubters and uh, probably were not wind aided. And then we probably had a couple that, uh, you know, might have been doubles off the wall instead of home runs had, had the wind not been blowing. Ah, uh, we'll take them though. So. All right, South Alabama, talk to me. What what are we going to – seems like South Alabama always has a pitcher or two pitchers or or 1A and maybe one and a half, you know. Uh, uh, what are they like this season? Uh, typical South Alabama type team, you know. Um, they're hitting 278 as a team with uh, – I think they have 18 home runs. So not a lot of power, typical type – South Al team, they pitch, they play defense. They they like to run a little bit. They've stolen 41 out of 41, 48 bases. Um, so, you know, the kind of team that you normally see from South Alabama, as always, they pitch well. They've got, you know, Olivia Lackey, who's a junior this year. She's 13 and four. And Jenna Hardy is uh, 11 and six. They're both with ERAs under two, 1.52 for Lackey, 1.64 for Hardy. and uh, But these are two kids that the Cajuns have had success against in, in the last couple of years. Lackey is uh, – she's a junior this year, and she's never defeated the Cajuns. And Hardy has never de- defeated the Cajuns either. So uh, I know they're going to be coming in looking to, uh, to have some success this weekend. And uh, I think it's going to be a really good series kind of turned into a really nice rivalry between uh, the Cajuns and the, uh, and the Jaguars and, and Craig, you know, some interesting numbers about the Cajuns South Alabama series. You know, the last team to defeat the Cajuns in a conference series was South Alabama. They swept a doubleheader from the Cajuns on March 16th, 2013, starting with March 17th, 2013, the very next day, the Cajuns, are 26 and five against South Alabama. They've won the last 19 meetings and 13 and 0 under Jerry Gasco. So um, I know they're going to be coming in and trying to reverse some of those numbers this weekend. And Coach uh, Becky Clark does a great job over there. She's going to have her team ready and um, looking for a great series this weekend. Yeah, you talked about their pitchers. They're, they're, they're three and four in overall stats uh, in the ERA column. And then, but when you get into conference only stats, Lackey is three. But now all of a sudden you've got Kandra Lamb that jumps up to number two in conference only stats with a 0.72 ERA. How much is Kandra? I mean, I, I, she seems to have grown as a pitcher. Un, under coach Robichaux and seems like she, she I, I think in the past I guess part of it was 
to me, she looked getting tired towards the end of the season where this where right now, I think she's playing really good ball. Well, you know, Craig, she, um, Kendra had, she had, uh, surgery, uh, when she came back to the, to Lafayette at the end of the summer. And so missed most of the fall. And then, um, it took her a little while to kind of get back in, into, uh, to shape where she wanted to be. And early in the season, wasn't getting a lot of innings. And then, uh, she's kind of moved into a, uh, you know, you don't, you don't really see a whole lot in college softball uh, closers, but she's kind of moved in the last uh, two to three weeks into a closer type role. And she's really embraced that, uh, that role. And, you know, when she comes in and only has to throw a couple of innings at the end of a game and, you know, go, you know, have to throw about 35 to 40 pitches. She, she just feels very comfortable in that role. She can, she can come in and let it go. And she's just been lights out. Uh, in the last uh, couple of weeks and um, starting to see a smile on her face again. And I think she's really happy with her role on the team right now. You know, she came in and pitched uh, the last couple of innings against McNeese uh, on Tuesday night and had a really, uh, another really, really good outing. She had a really nice weekend over at James Madison. And um, it's good to see Kendra being able to uh, contribute to the team in that, in that closer role. And then it takes a lot more stress off of the, uh, the kids that are starting, which is going to be, uh, I think it's going to be big at the end of the season. If you look at innings pitched by most of the other pitchers in the conference, they're, uh, they're way, they've thrown many more innings than, than Shorman and, uh, and Sam Landry and Carly Heath, you know, the kids, the kids that have been starting for the Cajuns. So, uh, that's a big that's a big deal, especially when you get to the postseason. Tell us about the nickname you gave her. I heard that well, on footnotes the other day. I, 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 you know, we was we were I was visiting with Kendra in the uh, in the lobby of the hotel. I think it was Saturday night, and I called her Goose, and and she said well, she she had no idea what I meant by that. So I explained to her who Goose Gossage was. You know, one of the best closers ever for the New York Yankees. And then I gave her an option. I said, I can either call you Goose or I can call you Mariano. And oh, she said, I like Goose better. <laughs> so so we're going to go with Goose. And uh, and uh, and I said, you know, Kendra, you've been putting a lot of Goose eggs up on the scoreboard against your opponents. So uh, we can just call you Goose for the rest of the season. She, she, she seemed to really like it. That's, uh, she seems like a very, I have not had the opportunity to talk to her, but seems like a very sweet individual. One of the nicest, most polite, respectful kids I've ever seen in the program. And, you know, I've been around for a couple of years. So, uh, yeah, Kendra Lamb, she's, uh, she's a special kid. Now we talked about South Alabama's, uh, uh, hitting. It seems like, uh, Mackenzie Brashear or Brasher is uh at least in conference plays batting 469 uh, she's she's their top base stealer okay uh, not a power hitter she leads the team in base stealing with uh i think she's stolen 20 bases in 23 attempts their main power threat is uh victoria ortiz who's uh she hits 347 and she leads the teams with six home runs and 33 rbis so she's their main power threat and uh you know they like to play some small ball 
you'll see them bunt and steal and, and try to uh, manufacture a lot of runs. And that's kind of the way uh, South Alabama plays each and every year. You know, it, it's interesting, though. I don't think you'd hardly ever see this. Uh, Brasher has a 469 average in conference play, a 469 slugging percentage, and a 469 on base percentage. So, wow. She must not walk very often. She hasn't walked at all in conference play. In nine games, she hasn't walked. But to your point, she stole nine out of ten bases. So yeah, she's their she's their main base stealing threat. In the top ten in the conference in conference only games, South Alabama has two uh, Brasher and uh, Ortiz, Victoria Ortiz, that you mentioned. But the Cajuns have Carly Heath at one, Jordan Campbell at two, Sophie Piscos. I'm sorry, Jordan Campbell at three, Sophie Piscos at four, uh, Lauren Alred at six and uh, uh, Lanny Crater at seven. So we got five in the top 10 in hitting. Uh, that's, uh, I don't think you see that a whole lot. I know softball, the Cajuns have been dominant over the years, but at the same time, this is a more of a balanced league. Yeah, since the conference, so since conference play started, the Cajuns have won uh, nine of their last 10 games. Their only loss coming in that Sunday game against App State. And, and the middle of that lineup, I say the middle, but through th two through seven have really been uh, hitting the ball really well. Carly Heath, Sophie Piscos, Lanny Crater. You know, Coach Glasgow gave Lanny an opportunity. Now he can't get her out of the lineup. Uh, same thing with Lauren Allred, you know, a true freshman who, you know, looked pretty good in the fall. You could tell the kid had a really good swing. Just wasn't real sure if she was ready for uh, Division One softball. And in in March, she played very little in February. Beginning of March, Coach Glasgow gave her a couple of starts. And all she did in March was drive in 22 runs. And uh, another kid just can't get her out of the lineup. And then Stormy Kotzenick and Alexa Langoliers. A couple of weeks ago, Langoliers was hitting 220 and really, you know, struggling. And she's raised her batting average to 264, second on the team with eight home runs. So the Langoliers and, 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 and Stormy Kautzenick, Sophie Piscos, those kids who were kind of struggling a little bit earlier in the year, those kids are really starting to come on. And uh, can't say enough about Carly Heath, both offensively and in the pitching circle. You know, she's uh, putting herself in a position to be considered as probably the uh, player of the year in the, in the Sunbelt Conference. I would agree uh, totally. We need to keep her healthy uh, because she's also six for six on the base paths. So, uh, and when you got an OPS of almost 1.6, that that's going to go a long ways to help, help everything. And then you, then you, then like I said, your pitch, your pitching side of it, she's right there as well. So. Amazing. Numbers. Yeah, she's just a you know she's a great kid and really happy to see her uh, having the kind of year she's having. You know, transferring from South Carolina. You know, talking to her mom and dad, she was uh, she just you know she didn't love the game of softball anymore and uh, decided to transfer to Louisiana and now she's loving the game again and you can see it both on and off the field. She's a she's a tremendous leader and a, a great teammate and uh, the kind of kid you wish you could have on your team each and every year. Have you talked to her uh, about how she made it here, got here from South Carolina? 
I, I think um, there was a connection there with Coach Glasgow, maybe. Okay. Through travel ball. And um, when she got the opportunity, when Coach Glasgow offered her, you know, when once she got into the portal and she got the opportunity to come here, it was a, pretty much a no-brainer for her. And, you know, she basically told me I wanted to go somewhere where I had a chance to win a national championship. And, uh, and that's why I picked Louisiana. Good. Talk about, I know you mentioned Lauren Allred and I hate to keep jumping around here, but what position, uh, for those that don't know, what position does she play and how is her, how is her, her, her job in the field? Um, she's really, really, uh, improved at first base. She kind of came in in the fall. She, uh, most of her reps were at, uh, were at third base and then, uh, at catcher. She's also a, uh, a catcher, and then with Vic Valdez and Sophie Piscos on the roster, uh, when Coach Glasgow put her in the lineup, he uh, he put her in there at first base, and she's really done a good job there and seen a lot of improvement. She's a lot more comfortable than she was. Uh, I'm not sure how much first base she ever played before uh, this season here at, at, at UL, but um, you can tell she's becoming a lot more comfortable there especially with the coverages and, and the reads that she has to make. And um, she's just going to continue to get better. And like I said, you can't get her out of the lineup because uh, she just continues to hit. She's hitting, she's hitting 407 with five home runs and um, just can't get her out of the lineup. And uh, I don't know why you would want to right now. Even when she makes that out, uh, she squares up and most of her outs are loud outs. So a kid that's uh, – really putting us, put herself in a position. And uh, she, you know, at this point, she's got to be considered as maybe the freshman of the year in the Sunbelt Conference. It seems like uh, she has a very good eye because, I'm again, I'm looking at conference-only stats, batting 440 on base percent of 563. But she, she has five walks uh, and then was hit by a pitch twice and only one strikeout. Yeah, she did. and that was, that was a strikeout looking – and I'm telling you, it was in the Sunday game yeah. against James Madison, and it was on a very questionable call. Yes, yeah. I remember that. So, I mean, it's to your point about her not playing uh, first base, and I never thought of this until I was listening to the Reds broadcast last year, and Barry Larkin talked about how the majority of the players in the field, whether they were outfield or, or infielders, the majority of them came from shortstop or middle infielders, third base. You know, and then they, because that's where the athletes, especially when you're in high school, you're put at shortstop, third base, second base. So when you, by the time you get to college, you, I mean, Mason Zambo on the, on the Cajuns baseball roster is, is probably the only one that played first base, you know, uh, growing up. Yeah. And, and, and Lauren Allres, you know, she's a good athlete and, you know, she, uh, Played a lot of scrimmages in the fall at third base and, and behind the plate. And so uh, it wasn't that much of a, a, a difficult move for her to move to first. Uh, and like I said, she's becoming a lot more comfortable there. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of things you got to learn when you go to first base, especially with the, uh, the coverages on the bunt coverages and uh, a, a lot of the different reads that you got to make. So she's done an outstanding job, not only offensively for the Cajuns, but um, doing a lot better job uh, at first base. Well, I can tell you that uh, she 
fielding wise in conference play, she's at, she's at a thousand percent. So, um, there you go. That that's, that's all you need to know. She's playing well. So great. Uh, anything else, uh, either South Alabama, the Sunbelt conference, the Cajuns that you wanted to maybe mention that we, that we missed on. Um, you know, like, like I said, big series against South Al this weekend. And then on Monday for, uh, you know, spring break, the Cajuns are going to, going to hit the road and, and go play, uh, Baylor on Tuesday and Texas A&M on Wednesday before coming home and facing Texas uh, state the following weekend. So, uh, Eight big games coming up uh, for the Cajuns in the next uh, ten days or so. So softball. So we we don't play at Texas State. Texas State is home. Right, right. Two consecutive home conference series with the uh, spring break trip in the middle. Okay, because I was I was thinking I don't know why I was thinking we were playing Baylor on the road, Texas A and M on the road. And then Texas State, and I'm thinking, well, we should have hit Texas A&M first, then Baylor, then Texas State. But I see why it is what the way it is now. So crazy. Yeah, Sorry. It's going to be a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Hopefully, a Friday, Saturday, Sunday uh, uh, series against Texas State. And looking at the extended forecast, it looks a lot better next week and next weekend than it does this week. Well, hopefully, uh, it, it all works out that we get that in. And like you said, eight big games coming up. So looking forward to watching the games and getting out to Lampson Park this weekend. Baseball is on the road. So lots of opportunity for our fans to get out there. Uh, Saturday's game, Saturday's ticket you use for Saturday's game. Thursday ticket. Oh, man, they've sent me an email. I don't want to say it wrong. I think Thursday's ticket you use for the Sunday game. I agree. Or, I think, yeah, I think. Or you can trade in your Thursday or Friday ticket for a ticket on Sunday, I think is what I read. Okay. I have it somewhere, and I'm not going to hold on to for that long. <laughs> Anything else, though? One last – any words of wisdom or shout-outs that you want to give to? Well, just, you know, a big series this weekend. Hopefully the fans will come out and – I know Easter Sunday, hopefully everybody will be done with their Easter Sunday activities and, and be able to come out on Sunday afternoon for that 2.30 start time. And then the Saturday doubleheader scheduled to start at 2 o'clock. And, um, you know, I think they scheduled it for 2 o'clock in case, you know, they might have to start a little bit later, depending on what time they can pull that tarp on Saturday. So it uh, should be a fun weekend. Always is when you – you face South Alabama because they're going to bring, you know, a good crowd. It's only about a three and a half, four hour drive from Mobile. And uh, they usually travel fairly well when they come to Lafayette. And so uh, it should be fun. And I uh, hope to see everybody out at the ballpark this weekend. And, uh, you know, listening to Cody and I on 103.3 The Goat. I was going to mention that. I, I've thoroughly enjoyed listening to the two of you this year. Not that the other guys did anything wrong in the past because I've always enjoyed the broadcast. So I uh, appreciate the things that you do for the program, Bobby. Well, I appreciate you, uh, Craig, and uh, everything you do to help us out with the uh, Centerfield Club and um, continue to uh, to do what we do. Absolutely. Raging Cajun's athlete, athletics need people like you and me. I agree. All right, you've been listening and we're talking. We've been talking softball. 
Raging Cajun softball, Sunbelt Conference softball with Craig Malonsaw and my, my, uh, my, I was going to say my color guy, but I'm not a broadcaster. So, but uh, <laughs> thanks to Bobby for being on today. Thank you for having me and uh, we'll see you at the ballpark. Absolutely. Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, uh, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due.